me be completely honest here and get straight to the point. Blue Velvet. What a film. David Lynch. What a director. I don't think I'm exaggerating here when I say that this film ticks all the boxes. It is the fucking icing on the cake for me. It solidified my taste in film and my outlook on life. In the words of Gwyneth Paltrow, I laughed, I cried a number of times, I sweat, I danced, I got a shot, I ate, and I had many epiphanies. Yeah, I've beefed this film up before we've even gotten to the critical stuff. Although I am the most biased David Lynch defender and David Lynch propaganda machine, I can assure you this review will not be entirely subjective. Keyword entirely. Sorry, I just fucking love David Lynch. Yeah, Mr. David Keith Lynch and his cinematic brilliance, that is Blue Velvet. This film caught my eye because, as you may already know, I just love films that play with reality versus dreamscapes and the concept of real life being intertwined with cinematic dream sequences in true Lynchian fashion. To describe this film in a simple, contradictory statement, it is a realistic fairy tale. I say realistic even though that's not much of a Lynchian thing. I, yeah, I described it as realistic because this film is the pinnacle of neo-noir. In film noir, a concept that is very occurrent is the fact that there is disturbance hidden in scenarios that may appear light-hearted and positive. You know, I could talk about this film for hours on end, I've seen it so many times, but I'm just gonna get to the salient points. Unconscious desires, metaphorical misogyny, unconventionality masked by conventionality, and Freudian complexes. Before I get there, let's summarize the film. Summarizing always comes before analyzing. It's just a principle, no-brainer, mandatory rule, according to me. Well, yeah, I made it up on the spot, but clearly everything I say is correct if I think that David Lynch is the best director ever. Anyway, so the film follows Jeffrey, a college student returning home to visit his ill father, who stumbles upon a severed human ear in a vacant lot. So this discovery of the human ear leads him to an alluring nightclub singer named Dorothy. Jeffrey becomes intrigued by Dorothy and this entire case, so he decides to do some investigating and infiltrate her apartment. One of the most famous lines in this film by the character of Sandy, one of Jeffrey's old high school friends, is, I don't know if you're a detective or a pervert. This line tells us everything we need to know about Jeffrey's fascination with Dorothy. The thing is, we don't know. What exactly are his motives? Well, we'll find out. And maybe we'll find out that as Jeffrey's relationship with Dorothy progresses, it is revealed that he may not even know what his motives are or be aware of them. Let me introduce you to Frank, Dorothy's sexist, abusive lover? I don't know, is, is he a lover or, or not? He keeps Dorothy captive as a sex slave and he exploits her for sadomasochistic acts. 
God, Dennis Hopper is absolutely terrifying in this role. Throughout the film, Jeffrey discovers this underworld of aggressive sexual exploitation while unlocking his repressed desires for Dorothy and his unconscious desires to take Frank's place and morph into the sadomasochistic and overbearing lover that he was to her. Before we dig deeper, let's take a look at some of Blue Velvet's themes. One of the main themes, as stated by David Lynch himself, is the concept of strange desires. This is portrayed in the film very blatantly as the principal characters all have unusual, lustful desires. Jeffrey starts to develop an Oedipus complex and is intrigued by the bizarre case of the severed ear and has some strange obsession with it. Frank seems to get pleasure from degrading and abusing Dorothy, and Dorothy seems to have some sort of masochistic or humiliation kink, if you like. Another theme in the film is unorthodox family dynamics. Now, this is a more surface-level theme, and I will touch on it in other episodes, because it is something that seems to make films so flavorful and interesting to watch and then analyze. This aspect of Blue Velvet is very interesting, as this theme only presents itself metaphorically, as there is no proper family setting within the film. It is simply portrayed by Jeffrey, Dorothy, and Frank, who represent the child and two parents. Dorothy and Frank are representative of Jeffrey's parental figures, while Jeffrey is the child possessing the Oedipus complex. Another very apparent theme in this film is the uncanny and insanity in normal everyday life. Near the start of this episode, I touched on how one of the defining characteristics of film noir is the idea of there being dark undertones in seemingly content everyday life. This makes a narrative more unsettling because it puts out the feeling for the viewer that no matter how untroubled your life may be, there is always something unsettling lurking beneath it. In parts of the opening shots of the film, it's almost misleading because it shows clear blue skies, gardens filled with colorful flowers, soft and neutral colors that are not too harsh on the eyes, regular people going on about their days in conventional, squeaky clean suburbia. Jeffrey is just returning home from college, and it's set up that this is a film with positive tones, but obviously that is not the case. However, this squeaky clean suburbia is only the facade. As Jeffrey gets involved with Frank and Dorothy, the disturbing figurative underworld within this seemingly conventional setting begins to unravel. He unmasks the disconcerting nightmare of a life that Frank and Dorothy live. Story time. So I think around three weeks ago in my drama class, we were doing this exercise on devising. What happened was that the teacher gave us a provocation, which was usually a quote or saying for us to work with, and in our groups we'd brainstorm things relating to it. So the provocation that she gave us was the old saying, curiosity killed the cat. And me, being the pretentious cinephile I am, I explained to my group that it's kind of like in noir film when the film is set in such a conventional, familiar setting, and then as one of the protagonists tries to uncover a deeper meaning or something hiding under the surface, they start to discover the unsettling and grim. 
I don't think any of them knew what I was talking about, but yeah, the phrase curiosity killed the cat couldn't be more relevant to Jeffrey Beaumont. Yeah, good old Jeffrey. I could talk all day about how much I love Kyle McLaughlin, but I think it's time to start getting psychoanalytical. Another literary concept that I will be talking about a lot throughout this series is the American Dream. The American Dream is a concept that's very prevalent in films that have the objective of revealing human instinct and nature, particularly in a positive context. But Blue Velvet completely inverts this concept. It goes against its idealized optimisms that highlight a secure and morally comfortable life with conventional desires. Blue Velvet pessimistically sheds light on the corrupt, disturbed, problematic, and lustful tendencies of human nature. In the classic American Dream narrative, characters chase after conventional desires. Whether it's money, success, love, or a better lifestyle, it is shown that these conventional desires are attainable through hard work and determination. In Blue Velvet, the characters chase after their very unconventional, strange, and even unhealthy and concerning desires through corruption, manipulation, and force. The American Dream? More like the American Nightmare. An American neo-noir Freudian Lynchian nightmare. Upon reading about Freud's theories about the unconscious mind, I noticed that the characters in this film are so mentally complex, although they appear as archetypes and allegories. I thought that it'd be interesting to dig deeper into their thoughts and how their unconscious desires influence their behaviors and how they interact with each other. One of my main focal points is the archetypal male ingenue protagonist, Jeffrey. In this film, Freud's theories are very applicable to him as he has lots of repressed desires and finds himself being the child in the Oedipus complex. And the film shows how he matures psychologically and realizes his own hidden desires, as he has this inquisitive and somewhat youthful ingenue facade that masks the fact that he has subdued unconscious Oedipal longings, which are tested when he encounters the cataclysmic side of human fallibility. I decided to focus on psychoanalysis as my broader concept for this episode, because Psychoanalytical theory uses various methods to study these unconscious thoughts, which you've already heard me talk about. To go deeper into it, these are repressed thoughts that are not directly available to the patient on the surface. In some cases, a patient may have selective thoughts and choose not to get in touch with their unconscious because it may trigger past trauma or some of them may just be entirely unaware of how deep their thoughts can go and how there is a much deeper layer of thoughts in their minds. A very brief rundown of psychoanalysis, since this is a concept you will hear me talk about a lot. Psychoanalysis states to being used to treat patients with mental illnesses such as hysteria, identity disorders, self-destructive behavior, and sexual and psychological trauma. It also involves studying the unconscious desires and psychological complexes relating to the patient's past, and even their family dynamics, therefore making them the way they are. This was all developed by Austrian neurologist Sigmund Freud, who 
in my opinion, is the most important figure in modern psychology. In the 1890s, Freud discovered the possibility of a patient's unconscious thoughts affecting their behavior, and that by analyzing their deepest, darkest thoughts that are masked under layers of thoughts in the conscious and pre-conscious states, it had helped, and eventually treatmental disorders. One of the earliest cases of Freud testing out his theory was him psychoanalyzing a patient with hysteria disorder by exploring her unlocked unconscious desires that her traumatic family past had been a catalyst for. He found out that the fact that she had been regularly beaten as a child played a part in as to why as an adult she unwittingly takes pleasure in aggression exerted onto her. This case is portrayed in David Cronenberg's 2011 film, A Dangerous Method. On the topic of unconventional childhood family experiences, Freud coined the Oedipus Complex. This psychological complex is something that Freud noticed among a handful of his patients with psychosexual trauma. It involves a child feeling as if they're at rivalry with their parent of the same sex, who has the upper hand in a problematic relationship with the other parent. The child has a subconscious urge to take the place of the parent of their sex, and as they unconsciously have the desire and feeling of obligation to take possession of the parent of the opposite sex. Freud derived this complex from the story of Oedipus in Greek mythology, who committed violent acts against his father and married his mother. The Oedipus complex usually occurs with the child being male and the exploited, abused parent being female. The opposite counterpart of this complex is the Electra complex. It's pretty much the same thing, the genders are just reversed. Yeah, I know, in 2021 it seems that these complexes are so exclusive and heteronormative and possibly sexist because the dynamic focuses on only heterosexual relationships and those involved are such one-dimensional stereotypes. Like, for example, in the Oedipus Complex, we've got the typical dominant man taking advantage of a fragile woman. But I think that with these, we need to analyze it from the perspective that it was intended to be seen from. Instead of looking at it from a progressive 21st century perspective, we need to look at it from a Freudian perspective where things were interpreted differently at the time, because back then values were different, the idea of what was immoral and what wasn't, and yeah, morality, that was different too. So I will be talking about this later when I discuss the metaphorical misogyny concept of Dorothy's character and how she's treated. Yeah, I'll get there soon. On the topic of complexes, another one that makes quite an appearance in Blue Velvet and like the Oedipus complex was prevalent among Freud's analysis of male patients with psychosexual problems is the Madonna whore complex. According to Freudian theory, men who possess this complex have a very black and white view of women as their intimate partners. Once again, the concept of this complex is archaically heteronormative, but I won't go off on a tangent about that, and I think with Freud's concepts, you're not meant to look at them politically or morally. You're supposed to remove yourself from the ethics of it when analyzing them. So anyway, the Madonna Horror Complex. 
The male patients who possess it either view women as the pure and virtuous Madonna or a seductive and promiscuous whore. Freud also claimed that men with this complex can possess it as a result of traumatic or failed past relationships and that they tend to seek out the Madonna type to satisfy their desires for innocent childlike romance and the whore type for their lustful desires. This complex is shown in Blue Velvet through the two female characters, who Jeffrey shows interest in, Sandy and Dorothy. Jeffrey views the innocent girl-next-door type Sandy as the Madonna part of the complex, while he views the alluringly enigmatic and provocative Dorothy as the whore part of the complex. So Dorothy, Isabella Rossellini's character, is seen as an object of voyeurism, and a subject of what we call in feminist film theory, the male gaze. I can assure you we will talk about these two concepts a lot in future episodes, as they are some of my favourite things to analyse in film. I say that Dorothy is an object of these two concepts, as she is objectified and sexualized by the male characters in the film, and is treated as nothing but an object for their scopophilia. Another crucial thing that I picked up on is that Dorothy is not a character that the average female viewer of this film can relate to. She is not a realistic portrayal of the average woman. She exists in the film solely to subdue herself as a sexual object of the male principal characters. Her persona is mainly fabricated by David Lynch, just as a perception and expectation of how a woman should be from the perspective of an overbearing male figure. Lynch is deliberately making it apparent that she is representative of the object of the male gaze. Okay, back to the Oedipus complex. So this complex may seem extremely gross and disturbing. Yeah, I gotta say that when I first did my research about it, I was like, what? Yeah, then I bettered my understanding of it, and now I know that while it is unusual for the average modern person, it, it can be applied as a metaphor in situations that involve a repressed desire that is sparked by a feeling of rivalry. Take three people who aren't actually a family, like Jeffrey, Frank, and Dorothy. They can metaphorically represent two parents and a child without actually being related. With the parental figures in the situation being in a problematic relationship, and with the metaphorical, allegorical child unconsciously wanting to take the place of the dominant parental figure of their sex, and then take possession of the parental figure of the opposite sex, with some sort of savior complex or hero complex if you like. Now let's take a look at a couple of critics on this film. The first critic is an online user of the publishing company Hubpages, who states that Blue Velvet deals with the broad areas of the Oedipal unconscious, as well as the hidden psychoanalytic aspects as it openly flaunts its Freudian theme and narration. The story portrays a young man's rite of passage from adolescence to maturity, which are mixed with infantile Oedipal desires and conflicts, and are linked by Geoffrey's curiosity. What this critic is trying to say is that Jeffrey, as the ingenue protagonist, is portrayed as the child in the Oedipal setting, and that his sensual desires are still yet to be unlocked. 
as they're still stored in his unconscious mind until they are brought out when exposed to the problematic relationship between the metaphorical This critic also talks about how Freud coined the concept of a primal scene. The primal scene is the awakening of the Oedipal patient. Oedipal, not Oedipal. This is blue velvet, not a racer head. So, <laughs> yeah, the awakening of the Oedipal patient witnessing their overbearing paternal figure's hostility towards the vulnerable maternal figure. This is when they start to develop a desire to possess the latter. And according to Freud, witnessing this primal scene is terrifying as the child interprets it as an act of violence and sadism, in which the dominant father brutally attacks the passive weak mother. As the mother is an object of love for the infant, they then become something that needs to be rescued. This completely sums up the idea of the primal scene, which is the Oedipal awakening. In Blue Velvet, the primal scene takes place when Jeffrey witnesses Frank forcing Dorothy to participate in degrading and abusive sexual activity. Okay, I think at this point I've buttered up David Lynch's work enough, so I think it's time to look at a critic who isn't so fond of it. And what better review to look at than Roger Ebert's infamous review of this film? One of the principal points he raised in his critique is how this film, specifically the character of Dorothy, is degrading and objectifying towards women as he talks about how she's merely shown as a sexual object throughout the film. Because there's this scene of her being shown naked, along with various scenes of her willingly submitting herself to being sexually exploited by Frank. Abert clearly thinks that her character has no purposeful portrayal and is just a setback for feminism due to her being dehumanized and seen as nothing but an object to satisfy a domineering male. Abert says, There are some scenes in which a woman is degraded and humiliated and made to suffer obscenely. To criticize Lynch's quote-unquote sexualization of Dorothy, yeah, this is true. However, Abert's take is quite blind to Lynch's true psychoanalytical directorial intention. As I explained earlier, Dorothy is not meant to be a realistic nor relatable representation of the average modern female viewer. She is the vulnerable and ill-treated maternal figure of the Oedipal male ingenue. Ebert jumped to the conclusion that Frank's perverted exploitation of Dorothy served no purpose in conveying a message that is much deeper. It appears on the surface that it's just a male abuser asserting dominance over his fragile and troubled female victim. Instead of letting what is shown on the surface of their relationship sway his judgment, Abert should dig deeper and look at it within the context of the film through a psychoanalytical lens, and he should realize that within the context, Lynch's intention was to convey a Freudian theory not to tell stories of modern, realistic people. From the intended directorial perspective, this is clearly not very insightful criticism because he is not analyzing the film from the perspective that Lynch intended for it to be seen from. Ebert's perspective and belief that the film itself is degrading is within a literal and social context, 
as opposed to Lynch's intended psychological one. This comes back to my argument about how he is viewing the representation of Frank's manipulation through the wrong lens. David Lynch did not intend for this film to be politically correct nor empowering and progressive for women, but instead a metaphor of the psychoanalytical structure of Freud's Oedipus complex and concept of unconscious desires, which are all conveyed through non-realistic characters. It's quite obvious that realistic is something that cannot coexist within the Lynchian cinematic universe. Surely it is paradoxical that Roger Ebert is criticizing the directing of the master of bizarre surrealism for his portrayal of Dorothy and Frank, while his intention was completely different to what Ebert claims it was. The true purpose of Frank and Dorothy's abusive relationship is that it acts as the catalyst in Jeffrey unlocking his unconscious, sensual, Oedipal desires. Dorothy is meant to be taken advantage of. She is meant to be degraded and traumatized. Lynch wouldn't have been able to portray the Oedipus complex without this happening to her in the film. It would completely sugarcoat Freud's theory and the Oedipus experience if she were painted as some sort of strong and powerful feminist girl boss that didn't submit to patriarchy. Trying to claim that just because she is the leading female character, she must be written as an assertive matriarch to empower women is absurd. This is something that has ruined modern cinema and how people perceive films. I won't go down that rabbit hole now, but I definitely will talk about it in future episodes. Abert really needs to rethink his critique before taking Blue Velvet out of context. He is seeing films as having the purpose to portray in an empowering social context when the reality is, films like Blue Velvet have a purpose to convey dismaying psychological ideas without sugarcoating them. What Abert doesn't realize is that Frank's abuse of Dorothy is necessary to portray the Oedipus complex and it's necessary to enable Jeffrey's unconscious desires. To sum this criticism up, the purpose of Dorothy in the film is not to dehumanize women, but to show how the child, well, quote-unquote child's unconscious desires are triggered by them witnessing the quote-unquote father's abuse. Alternatively, if I were to take this film literally and do a literal feminist reading, I would agree with Abert's critique and elaborate on how Dorothy's misogynistic depiction panders to the male gaze and negatively portrays women as sex objects. I'd also touch on how the blatant representation of the Madonna whore complex is incredibly sexist because the two main female characters are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, so hypothetically. Well, I think we've reached the verdict that Blue Velvet very effectively delves deep into the male ingenue's unconscious mind. And we can reach the conclusion that the purpose of this film was to convey the process of the Oedipus complex, and how these unconscious sensual desires are formed. To wrap this episode up, Blue Velvet is a film that must be interpreted entirely psychologically and seen as a metaphor, a cinematic metaphor, for Freud's theories. 
With this film, it's vital that viewers refrain from forming an emotional attachment to the characters and refrain from feeling empathy for them. In fact, I will be talking about something similar to this in the next episode, where we will take a trip a few decades back as we analyze The Great Gatsby. Anyways, I hope that you've all enjoyed listening to me ramble on about Blue Velvet as much as I have. Stay tuned for the next episode, take care, and stay critical. Mm -hmm.